are listening to Casual Wednesdays with Doom Rocket, your one-stop shop for comics talk and such. I'm Jared Jones. I am MJ Kramer. This week, MJ and I are back after a whole month off. Whoops. I feel like we say whoops a lot, MJ. We do. We need to get our act together. Yeah, we say that a lot, too. <laughs> That's what I mean. Well, anyway, MJ and I are back after a month away with the September 2022 comic book solicitations. That's right. This is going to be every single book that we recommend coming down the pike in the month of September. And a few that we don't. What's a solicits episode without some shade, MJ? Yeah. We'll be talking about new stuff from, of course, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. New stuff from Mark Wade and DC Comics. Mm-hmm. And also a whole bunch of other stuff I presume will also be good from the month of September. Well, we can only presume. We haven't read a lot of these yet. You got a point. Also, MJ and I will be talking a little bit about the brand new era of the Batman line. Yeah. Starting with Jorge Jimenez and Chip Zdarsky's Batman number 125, which dropped this week. Spoiler-free conversation starts in just a few minutes, but in the meantime, welcome back. You made it. We made it. Yeah. It's Casual Wednesdays. Hello, MJ. Hi, Jared. How are you? I'm pretty okay. How was your week? Uh, it's been a lot. One of the co-owners of my store is out sick. Oh, no. I have been having to step up and do a lot of his duties as mm-hmm. well as my own, and it's been a lot. But we're barreling through. We're doing okay. Manager Midgey. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's just I've been very tired. <laughs> well, that's just fine, MJ. What about you? How's your week been? Well, this week is much calmer than last week. Last week, of course, was Doom Week. Mm-hmm. The last week of every month, Doom Rocket drops a whole bunch of new content. Mm-hmm. We did not get a new episode out like I wanted to, but that's okay. We're, We're doing here this, this one week. Now. We're putting out one now, but we have an all new required reading from RPAD, okay? New reviews from Clyde Hall, Kate Kowalski, and myself. Mm-hmm. I decided, because I don't have enough stress in my life, to review all 25 issues of DC's 1993 <laughs> event annual series Bloodlines, because I bought them all. Uh huh, I know. And what else am I going to do with them? Interesting fact about Jared that you may not know, MJ. I've never read a page of Bloodlines beyond the Hitman first appearance from Demon Annual Number 2. What the heck were you doing when you were 10 years old, Jared? Not buying Bloodlines comics. Those (laughs) things were annuals and far more expensive than standard (laughs) comics. So I'm very excited to finally do it. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. Oh my God, what am I doing? You'll get done in like two years. Well, anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So yes, welcome back. Casual Wednesdays. MJ and I are here with the September 2022 comic book solicitations. We're going to unpack all of that in just a little bit. But before we do, MJ, I wanted to take a moment to remind our listeners to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It could be any star you like. They offer up to five. (laughs) Say something nice and or constructive or, you know, let us have it. I don't really care at this point, but we do need more reviews. Yeah. So if you haven't left a review for us just yet, that would be a nice little, I don't know, Independence Day present for MJ and I. Yeah. What, were you going to buy a present for America? (laughs) Also, head over to Spotify. They offer ratings now over there on Spotify. It's really easy to do. You just find your favorite podcast, and underneath the name, they have a star. You tap it. It goes, how many stars do you want to give this show, person? And you go, I want to give it five. Like Casual Wednesdays, my favorite show. And you go, boop, five, and then all of a sudden, bam, you have rated Casual Wednesdays, and you have made it easier for other people to find us on that platform. Yeah. And and you would have our thank you mm-hmm. in that hypothetical situation. Make it the truth. <laughs> well, anyway, MJ, that's all I've got on that front. How about we ease into this episode with a little conversation about the things we've been reading lately? Okay. Where do you want to begin, MJ? What have you been reading uh, in the month that we have not had a podcast? <laughs> As I have already told listeners a few times, I've been trying to read through all of Doctor Strange. 
I have gotten up to the Strange Tales second series in 1987 and 1988. You hit the mother load. They all arrived at the house, and they're in a nice big stack. Yes, I had to actually buy them, mm -hmm. because that series, except for issue seven of it, for some reason it is not on Marvel Unlimited. Well, I can't imagine why. Oh, is it because one of those issues featured Michael Moorcock's Elric? Not Elric. It's Ariok. It's like Moorcock's like Lord of Chaos. Okay, gotcha. it's, it's one of the dudes that Elric fights. Okay. It's, it's an Elric bad guy. What's he doing with Doctor Strange? I don't know. Marvel probably mm -hmm. had the rights to that stuff at, one, at that point. I don't know. So I had to order 19 issues of Strange Tales. And each issue isn't even just Doctor Strange. It's half Cloak and Dagger and half Doctor Strange. Are you checking out any of those Cloak and Daggers? I, I might at some point, but I just I want to barrel through. I want to I get my Doctor Strange all read. Don't read this too fast, MJ, because it'll all be over one day and you'll be sad. Jones, I've still got like 30 years worth of Doctor Strange comics to read. You're reading it, though. My God. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, the Kevin Nolan covers are amazing on this series. It's really dark. It's written by Peter Gillis. It's darker than I was expecting. I don't know if I love it. Oh, no. I don't know. But anyway, that's what I'm reading right now. That and also Jason Aaron's Thor run. Just finished up the Jane stuff. Yeah, you're preparing for the new Thor movie. Yes. We've been watching all the Thor movies in preparation of that as well. Yes, Ragnarok is up next. Yeah, we're going to watch that tomorrow. Yeah. And then we'll be seeing Thor Love and Thunder with Birdie. Yes. Matthew Birdman Fleming, who also writes for Doom Rocket, former co-host of the Anti-Monitor podcast, yes. which you can still find on DoomRocket.com. <laughs> and as far as this week goes, I haven't really read a lot of stuff yet, but one thing that I did read from DC, Monkey Prince number six. This book does not get enough love. It is so much fun. It's Gina Lin Yang and Bernard Chang. It's really, really fun. But now, Jared, what are you reading? Well, this week I read a couple of things. I've been enjoying Batman Killing Time by Tom King and David Marquez. David Marquez has been doing amazing career best stuff for this book, which is saying something considering we're talking about David Marquez. Mm -hmm. I really like his DC stuff. I like the way he draws DC characters, MJ. Well, I like the way he drew Miles Morales, and I miss I know, it. I know, I know. I miss it. But he drew Batman on a motorcycle last issue of Killing Time, and it was really great. Oh, and this right. issue was cool, too. Also, speaking of Batman, Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez have begun their new era, although this is old hat for Jorge Jimenez, who did a pretty awesome run with James Tynan not too long ago. Although he did mention that this run that he is starting is the first time he's gotten to draw Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. Also, he gets to draw a lot of Tim Drake. But I'm not going to get into the spoilers of the issue. The Tim Drake presence in the issue kind of hit me in a way I wasn't expecting. Mm. Don't know if I'm happy with it. Also, another character. Something happens to a major Gotham City player in this issue. Like, a whole lot of stuff is happening. Chip is coming out of the gate swinging. Mm -hmm. Of course, DC is relaunching the line with Batman 125 and Detective Comics number what? 1064? Let's pretend that's the number and not look it up. Yeah. But that'll be written by Rom V. <laughs> Art by Raphael Albuquerque. Yes, yes. DC's coming out big with a brand new Batman era. I read a preview PDF of that new detective issue, and it was quite nice. I mean, it's Rom V. I know. It's ridiculous. But anyway... So, Batman 125, MJ, you read it too. I did. Let's give our listeners some spoiler-free feelings really quick before we hop into solicits. What did you think of this issue? I enjoyed it. Yeah? I liked the art. I liked the writing. Yeah. I mean, we know Chip Zdarsky is going to be good at writing Batman because he's excellent at writing Daredevil, and those are some similar characters. Not necessarily interchangeable, though. But similar in their surroundings, in their street-levelness. To a degree. I was expecting this to be good, and I thought it was good. I am definitely sticking around for this run. But what about you? I thought it was fine. I wanted to think it was great. 
because I've really been loving Batman the Night, which is Chip Zdarsky's Secret Origins, Batman Secret Origins, you know, really been enjoying that book. But Batman 125, there's something about it that's sticking in my craw a little bit. And I can't really put my finger on it. I think with a few more issues, I'll be able to define it a little more succinctly. But for right now, there's a lot of big swings and not much of a hook because we have a brand new villain that gets introduced with this issue and i'm not i am not impressed see it's it's barely an introduction though so i don't think i don't know i i think that this issue does have a bit of a hook and i think it's more the perspective on batman yeah i think you're right on that one it's a lot more character driven and i think that might be one of the issues i might have with it because i'm not interested in bruce wayne reflecting on who he is and what he is he's a guy with a mission and that's it and and for right or wrong he's gonna fuck up some lives including his own on the course on that mission. That's the good Batman stuff. Batman no thinky. Batman punchy only. He, he can think while he punches. He's the world's <laughs> smartest uh, detective or whatever. But when Batman's like, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I even doing with my life anymore? I'm like, get a grip. I don't feel like it even went that full of pathos. I don't, I don't think it's that much. It's not quite that, but it's almost there. Also, the current status quo for Batman is Bruce Wayne's destitute. He's not destitute. He's just not a billionaire anymore. I mean, compared to being a billionaire, he might right. as well be destitute. But he's still invited to high society functions because the story has to happen. Uh, you know, it's just like little funny things like that that have to... But they talk about that I know. in the story. But the fact that they have to means that the status quo isn't exactly resting well. You know what I mean? I thought it was a good explanation, but maybe that's just me. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, listeners at home, what did you think of Batman 125? Let us know. Info at DoomRocket.com. That's our email. Or you can you can talk to us on Twitter. At Casualwoods Podcast, or hit us up privately, whatever. <laughs> yes, DM us about Batman 125. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> well, anyway, MJ, uh, really quick, I just want to say one more thing. I just finished the fifth and final issue in the first arc of Amazing Spider-Man. The relaunch with Zeb Wells and oh, John yeah. Romita Jr. It's cr- I, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's great. It's not what I was expecting it to be. The first issue kind of threw me for a loop, but after reading issue number five, which is out this week, I have to say, I like this direction. I like Zeb Wells' Spider-Man quite a bit. And of course, JRJR, how can you go wrong? So that's top marks for ASM from me. Who knew? I haven't read the newest issue yet, but I've, I've always liked Zeb Wells on Spider-Man. He's, mm-hmm. he, he has a really good grasp of Peter's voice. But he's also doing something really clever in terms of what Spider-Man means to the New York City underworld right now. It's really good. I, I just didn't like how he dropped us in media res and still has not explained I know. what happened. Yeah, it's um, really weird. And... This is just my personal taste. JR, JR, especially his modern stuff, it's it's just not my fave. Breaks my heart to hear so you say it's that. So it's hard for me to get through it, just be like, oh, this art, it's just what it is. The parents aren't getting a divorce, kids, but <laughs> my God, it really does kill me when you say that. Anyway. Well, MJ, with all that out of the way, what do you say? You want to get into the topic of the week? Yes. September 2022 comic book solicitations. All right. Well, students at home, you know the drill. Grab a pen and pencil. We're about to drop a whole bunch of recommendations in your lap and a couple of provisos and warnings as well. You know how the solicits episodes work at this point. And for Mm -hmm. new listeners, what we do is MJ and I go through the entire solicits catalog and we select the books that we are the most excited for from each publisher and we give them to you. Although, just to be pedantic, it's not just the Diamond Catalog anymore. Yeah. It's the Diamond Catalog plus the Marvel PRH Catalog and plus the DC Connect Catalog. The Solicits episodes are a lot of homework for us, and we really do love that you guys enjoy it so much. It's our most popular episode in terms of downloads. Can you believe that? I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's, it's really good information, I hope. 
I mean, I feel as though it is. What do you say? You want to hop on in? Yeah. September solicits. Here we go. Like we do every month, we begin with Image Comics. Mm -hmm. No reason not to do that this week. MJ, Image Comics in September. What's the first thing that caught your eye? Well, we have the second volume in the Bone Orchard Mythos. That's right. 10,000 Black Feathers. For folks who don't know, that's Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino's new ongoing horror anthology Mm -hmm. under one banner. These are becoming very popular, especially with Image. Yes. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are doing Reckless in a similar format, hardcover, once every couple of months. But the thing with the Bone Orchard Mythos is that it's going to change up formats. Mm. So that first volume, Passageways, was a hardcover. This is starting out in single issues. That's weird. I mean, they want to change it up. Good for them. But that's weird. (laughs) All right. What are the details for Bone Orchard 10,000 Black Feathers number one? Well, I'm going to read a little bit of the solicit info. Go for it. Trish and Jackie are best friends and avid gamers. But when the line between reality and their fantasy world is blurred by an evil darkness, can they be the heroes of their own story? That's a $3.99 debut at 32 pages. September 14th is when this drops. It's going to be really weird because you know they're going to collect it in a hardcover anyway. Probably. Ah. Well, at least they're experimenting. Anyway, moving on. Here's something I'm excited for. From Skybound, we have Creep Show number one of five. That's right. The Creep Show. The George Romero, Stephen King movie had Leslie Nielsen in it, and then there was a sequel that wasn't very good. And there's a TV series on Shudder under the same name. Okay. I haven't watched any of it yet. But anyway, in conjunction with Shudder, Skybound is publishing Creep Show. This is exciting. I'm going to read this list really quick. Mm-hmm. Quote, The worldwide phenomenon based on the hit Shutter TV series comes to comics in a star-studded five-issue anthology series that will scare you to death. It's a good thing they put that warning there, mm-hmm. otherwise they would be liable. Mm-hmm. In the debut issue, Chris Burnham terrifies with a tale of trick-or-treaters who are taught what happens when you mess with the wrong house. Then legendary Batman the Animated Series co-creator, it says creator, but they should say co-creator. Mm-hmm. I added that. I don't mean to editorialize. Anyway, Paul (laughs) Dini, Steve Langford, and John McCree petrify with the party antics of Shingo, the birthday clown with an appetite for more than cake. End quote. (laughs) 399 debut at 32 pages. Very excited to check this out because it's just in time for Halloween. Yes. It's going to get me in the mood, MJ. Drops September 21st. Moving on, we have another new debut, this time from Patrick Kinlan and Marco Ferrari, the team behind Frontiersmen, mm-hmm. a book also from Image that I enjoyed very, very much. Here comes the sequel series, Antioch Number 1. This is a three ninety nine debut at 32 pages. Quote, A king from a lost continent enters the world of man with a purpose, to stop us from killing the planet. But when he finds himself in a superhuman prison, his title is useless and his powers only matter if they help him survive, end quote. And this is a character that was introduced in Frontiersman, but was not the protagonist, and now is the protagonist here. So to speak. Yeah. He seems like he's got a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Patrick Kinlan's been sharing pages on his awesome newsletter you should check out and subscribe to if you haven't already. Antioch number one, that drops September 7th, 399 debut at 32 pages. All right, MJ, any trades, hardcovers, OGNs, etc. from Image in September? Just a couple. Mm. We've got Follow Me Down, a reckless book hardcover. Speaking of. Speaking of which. Written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips, colors by Jacob Phillips. Twenty four ninety nine, 144 pages, drops October 12th. You know what this is? It's the newest volume in the Reckless series. I really love that they are continuing uh, naming everything after a song. Mm. Oh, if you like Follow Me Down, that's the Gin Blossom song. I thought it was Nelly Furtado. I, I think this is probably the Gin Blossoms version. Follow me down, follow me down, follow me down, down, down. <laughs> you don't remember that song? No, it's the follow me down. No, follow oh, me, no, it's follow, 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 me, follow me down. Follow me down, down, down. Okay, so follow me down. It's not the Gin Blossoms song. It's got to be Nelly Furtado. 
<laughs> I don't think he's naming it after a Nelly Furtado song. I actually don't even know if Nelly Furtado is what I'm thinking about, but whatever. Let's go with it. <laughs> it sounds anyway, like it. <laughs> anyways, exciting times. Also, here's something that I'm very excited for. I found this out because I'm subscribed to this book, and Ooh. they announced this book before the solicits dropped, so we got the straight dope from the creator himself. But I'm bearing the lead, MJ. I'm speaking, of course, of Copra mm-hmm. by Michel Fife. Michel Fife, of course, is offering subscriptions of single issues of Copra through his personal web store, which you can look up online. I don't have the website in front of me. I'm sorry, Michel Fife. I doubt you're listening anyway. But Copra is one of my favorite books right now, and he announced that in the latest issue that I got in the mail, which was two weeks before the <laughs> solicits dropped, so I felt very special indeed. Copra Master Collection Book One Hardcover. So the first 12 issues of Copra are getting collected in a huge hardcover, 320 pages at $39.99. This is an advanced solicit for November 16th. Mark that down and make sure you pre-order this beauty. I'm going to get it. Oh, I want it so bad. Image Deluxe hardcovers are, I I treasure them. I just love them. They're beautiful. Next up, not a fancy hardcover, but a paperback long awaited by so, so many. Saga Volume 10. It's also Saga's 10th anniversary. This is possibly the longest anyone had to trade weight a book. You think so? You get it? Like, it's been like <laughs> yeah, yeah. a long time for Saga. What if you were trade waiting for Miracle Man? Oh, God. You mean the new Miracle Man that's coming from Marvel? Yeah, God. Like, like when Neil Gaiman first announced it? Like... I think people have given up. <laughs> so Saga Volume 10, Saga's 10th anniversary trade paperback, of course, by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. 160 pages at $16.99. They're going for that higher price point because they can. But also, it's just, it's yeah. inflation. Stuff costs more. It's fine. I miss those Image Comics nine ninety nine trade paperbacks, MJ. Most of the creators that did those lost money on their first volume in order to get people coming in for later and later volume. It's like giving it away for free and they come back hungry for more with more money. That's but, how drug dealers do it, MJ. But the drop-off on people buying more after Volume 1 is a very big drop-off. Mm, yeah, very big drop-off. Got a point. So Saga Volume 10, another advanced solicit for October 5th. All right, MJ, let's pivot over to Dark Horse Comics. I have an interesting item here. Now, as everyone knows, Kentaro Miura, the creator of Berserk, has passed away. Dark Horse Comics is finally publishing the final volume featuring his work. Berserk Volume 41 drops November 2nd, that's another advanced solicit. $14.99 and 176 pages in glorious black and white. So, Berserk fans, it is a bittersweet day indeed. But check it out, Berserk Volume 41. The end of an era. This is an incredibly popular manga series that was, you know, sadly ended before its time. So I'm glad we get to see this final volume. Indeed, well put. So yes, Berserk Volume 41 out November 2nd. All right, MJ, let's move on to DC Comics interesting times that we live in mark way doing actual work for dc comics i never thought i'd live to see this day well we've seen him working on batman superman world's finest every issue of world's finest that comes out i have to pinch myself to make sure that i'm not dreaming because it's so beautiful that book so anyway mark wade and mahmoud azrar batman versus robin what the hell's this all about well it's going to be spinning out of world's finest same villain wait you mean that demon guy that i don't know the name of demon yeah he's not interesting at all i like him I like the comic because of the art. Dan Moore draws pretty people, and Mark Waid's good with banter. You can spin a good yarn, MJ, but that villain is a dud. All right. They're keeping him going, huh? Jared giveth the compliments, and he taketh away. Yeah, I'm fickle. (laughs) I'm fickle. So for those of you like me who don't know, solicits text go, quote, spinning out of the events of both Batman, Superman, World's Finest, there you go, and Shadow War, something I didn't read at all. (laughs) Father and son do battle in one of the single most earth-shattering tales ever told. Just checking. 
We're talking about Batman and Robin here, right? <laughs> anyway. Deep in the heart of Lazarus Island, the demonic legacy of the Al Ghul family line has at last been freed, and the devil Neza is out for blood. Neja. Neja. To reclaim his total domination over planet Earth, Neja. Neja? I think it's Neja. It's fine. As supercharged magic, anyone who dares use it is overcome by a demonic evil that supercharges their abilities to dangerous, unpredictable, and in some cases, deadly levels. With Damien and Neja's clutches and Bruce haunted by the return of an old friend, the Dark Knight and the Boy Wonder are pitted against one another in the battle of the century. Again, we're talking about Batman and Robin here, right? Versus Robin. Of the century. <laughs> it's a bit of short century so far, you Let know. Let me get an end quote in here so we can move on. End quote. <laughs> So that's Batman vs. Robin. Five ninety nine debut at 48 pages. Five-issue miniseries starts September 13th. Next, we have the second installment in the One Bad Day series of one-shots. Right. This one is Batman hyphen One Bad Day colon Two-Face number one. This one is written by Marco Tamaki with art and cover by Javier Fernandez. It's going to be seven ninety nine, sixty four pages, prestige format, like all the rest of these One Bad Day books are going to be. Drops on September 20th. Solicitor's text goes, quote, Two-Face has always been viewed as Batman's most tragic villain. If only Harvey Dent had not been scarred by acid, he could have continued his good work as DA in Gotham City and been Batman's greatest ally and friend, right? Or has Batman extended Harvey Dent too much grace in his multiple attempts at reform? They'll question himself as Harvey Dent is free once more, scarred but seemingly free of Two-Face's influence, but when it's revealed Harvey Dent's father has been threatened to be murdered on his 88th birthday, will Two-Face be able to resist joining the party? End quote. I, I don't know about Two-Face being Batman's most tragic villain. Shouldn't that be Mr. Freeze? It's kind of a tight race, that one. Most tragic rogue of Batman's gallery. Also, I feel like this sounds like the plot to one of the Batman the Animated Series episodes. Second Chance. Yeah. 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 I guess we'll see come September 20th. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> All right, moving on. So we talked about Tim Drake a little earlier in the episode. It's a Tim drake Assance over at DC yeah. Comics. I guess they finally realized that he is, in fact, the best Robin. <gasps> don't at me. It's the truth. He is the best <laughs> Robin. I love Damien. He's one of my favorite DC characters. Well, he used to be. Dick Grayson, also one of my favorite characters. Prefer him as Nightwing. Okay. Sometimes as Batman. Depends mm-hmm. on my mood. Mm-hmm. But Tim Drake, best Robin. Did we forget about Mr. Jason Todd? We don't mention that name in this house. Did, did we forget about Miss Stephanie Brown? Who? <laughs> did we forget about Miss Carrie Kelly? She's not even canon. You shut <laughs> your something mouth. Else entirely. You shut your mouth. Hey, you remember when they had Carrie Kelly in an issue of Batman and Robin, like during the New Fifty Two, when Gleason and Tomasi were working on that book? Mm-hmm. But it was just like, hey, it's a girl with red hair and green glasses named Carrie. Not really Carrie Kelly, just a person. Really be Carrie Kelly, you never know. Maybe she's time traveling. We digress, MJ. Anyway, Tim Drake's got his own book again. Tim Drake colon Robin. Back in the day, we used to just call him Robin, but whatever. Another like 20 Robins. Mm-hmm. But Tim Drake Robin number one unites Megan Fitzmartin. I'm not really familiar with her. I know that she's been writing stuff for she's DC. She's been writing a lot of Tim in those Batman Urban Legends anthologies. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read those. She seems good. Riley Rosmo doing the art. Yeah. Hopping from Harley Quinn to Tim Drake Robin. Yeah. Riley Rosmo. Keeping him in Gotham. He's really good. I like his art a lot. Weird. Jobs that he's been taking lately. Don't you think? I think he's just maybe taking what he's assigned. <laughs> maybe. That's, that's possible. <laughs> well, anyway, let's, uh, let's do the solicits really quick. Do you want to do them? 
Sure. All right, go for it. Quote, step aside, Damien. The world's favorite Robin has got this. Hey, all right. That's right. After years away, Tim Drake is taking center stage in a brand spanking new Robin series of his very own. About time. Did, did you write this? A mystery over a year in the making takes shape as a new villain who's been hounding Tim from afar decides to take things up close and personal, putting Bernard and everyone else Tim cares about in peril as things go from bad to worse for the world's oldest and canonically tallest Robin. No, I will not be fact-checking that. What? That's a long sentence. All that and Tim finally carves out a corner of Gotham City just for himself and sets up shop in his very own murder shack boat. End quote. All right. That was weird solicits. That took me on a ride. <laughs> that was a bit of a run on there. I got some questions. There. Who's Bernard? I think that's his boyfriend. Oh, I see. Since when is Tim Drake the tallest Robin? I, I don't know, but uh, it's something that they're not, not uh, fact-checking. Evidently, Megan Fitzmartin looked it up and is very proud of this information and, and putting it in front of us. Uh, really weird to put it in the solicits, though. It's kind of funny. And the no, I'm not fact-checking that bit. That's why I kind of wondered if you'd written this. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. No, I would. I, I, I might have gotten away with that first sentence, but uh, no. No, that fell apart real quick. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Tim Drake, Robin, number one, three ninety nine debut, 32 pages, drops September 27th. Did you see any info on whether or not this is a miniseries or an ongoing? It'll be an ongoing as far as sales dictate. True. Yeah. Moving on, we've got DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, number one. The only reason I am bringing this up right now. Is it the art by Eduardo Riso? Eduardo Riso is great. Yes. However, you know how profoundly unimpressed I am whenever a publisher brings in some ringer, some actor, some screenwriter, some whatever person that doesn't work in comics. Just right this way, sir. Walk through all the doors that we've set in front of everybody else and write Batman or write these awesome characters because you are who you are generally i will just say no we're not covering this book <laughs> on doom rocket because of that but because the person writing dc horror presents sergeant rock versus the army of the dead number one is bruce campbell i'm giving it a pass bruce campbell bruce campbell groovy eh? yeah oh i'm so old <laughs> anyway i think the young'uns might know him better as pizza papa yeah he was pizza papa and dr strange too yeah yeah and nothing else <laughs> Anyway, will you take solicits for this book, please? Sure. Quote, Berlin, 1944. The Nazis are besieged on all fronts by the Allied forces. Defeat is inevitable, but Hitler and his team of evil scientists attempt a last-ditch effort that may turn the tide of the war and rewrite history itself. A serum that resurrects their dead soldiers stronger than they were in life and sends them back into the battlefield. Now, Sergeant Frank Rock and Easy Company have been dispatched into enemy territory to face off against the strangest, most horrific enemies they've ever encountered— Nazi zombies, end quote. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. First issue of a six-issue miniseries, that's a three ninety nine debut at 32 pages, drops September 27th. Don't blow it, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> I stood up for you. Next up, we have, oh, the return of one of my favorite series, Human Target number seven. That's right. Written by Tom King, art and cover by Greg Smallwood. It's back in September. September 27th. That's right. Hey, man, I, I can see it. I can see it from here. Mm -hmm. It's coming. It's close. It's coming. Four ninety nine for forty pages, number seven of twelve. Only five more after this. <sighs> anyway, MJ, any trades, hardcovers, OGNs, etc. from DC in September or technically advanced solicited? There are a couple, and they are both advanced solicited. First of all, have Catwoman Lonely City, written, drawn, lettered, etc. All that stuff by Cliff Chang. This is gonna be a hardcover dropping November twenty second. Catwoman Lonely City, believe the hype. It is as good as you've heard, if you mm -hmm. haven't read it yet. 
This would be an optimal way to read it for the first time in a gorgeous oversized hardcover. $29.99, not a bad price point. At 208 pages, 100% Cliff Chang. Mm-hmm. He writes, he draws, he colors, he letters, he does the whole thing. He does it all. It's his book, and it is beautiful. Check it out. Also, ending on a somber note, and also an opportunity for us to remind you listeners who are patiently awaiting the second half of the Casual Wednesday's JLA Avengers retrospective series. Sorry. It's on its way. Oh my god, we're so late on that. This will come out probably before we even get to it, but DC... <laughs> no, it won't. I know, I'm being <laughs> being sarcastic. DC poster portfolio, George Perez. They are oversized, like the size of a print you'd buy at a convention. And they are a book that is a portfolio of prints. The prints are all bound in the spine, so you have to remove them. But it's, you know, prints that were previously pinups or mo- more likely covers, beautifully suited to be, you know, blown up to, I think, like 11 by 14. Is that how big these are? 12 by 16. Oh, 12 by 16, even That's better. Right. And usually there's like, I think, 20 prints per portfolio, I think. And this one, all George Perez art. That's right. So, assumedly, these are going to be all of the most quintessential George Perez covers. All of the good ones that you could possibly want to have a print of. Featuring artwork from the New Teen Titans, Wonder Woman, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and more, it says. Yep. There's a lot to choose from. That's right. It's all iconic. Would make a fantastic Christmas gift. Advanced solicited for November 1st, so you'd have to stash it somewhere mm-hmm. until Christmas. But you know what I mean. Anyway, MJ, it's time for our favorite part of any solicits episode. The Marvel segment. Oh, we're moving to Marvel, are we? Moving to Marvel. Moving on to Marvel. Now, I want to begin with a resolicited debut. This is something that I was really excited for. And then it just dropped off the face of the earth. I'm guessing it got bumped back because Marvel has been delaying so many of their books because of the paper shortages. Yeah. Well, it would help if they didn't put out so many goddamn books every month. That's true. Anyway. Anyway. Maybe we'll talk about that again later in the episode. (laughs) A little foreshadowing. But anyway... (laughs) Exterminators, number one of five, which unites Leo Williams, one of our favorite writers, with Carlos Gomez. All new X title, miniseries. Familiar name, all new concept. I want to read this solicits here because it sounds awesome. Quote, enter the grindhouse of X. When Jubilee and Boom Boom agree to take Dazzler out for a night on the town to console her after her nasty breakup, they have no idea they're about to be kidnapped and put into an elaborate death trap for their efforts. What are three girls with the power to blow things up to do? Leah Williams and Carlos Gomez put the X in exploitation in this tale of blood, sweat, and revenge. End quote. That does sound really fun. This is a four ninety nine debut at 40 pages. Dropped September 21st. Hopefully it doesn't get dropped again. We'll see. We'll see. All right, MJ. X. A-X-E. Avengers X-Men Eternals. The big crossover event that Marvel's putting out, despite the fact they don't have the paper to print it on. AXE Judgment Day is its full name, Jared. Oh, excuse me. It's a terrible name. But they should have be... workshopped that. <laughs> but it's going to be written by Kieran Gillen. It is being written by Kieran Gillen. At this I am point. probably going to enjoy it. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. Isn't it out? Hasn't it begun? No. Everything's been delayed. Oh, yeah. That's why uh, I have all these brackets <laughs> here and notes. Um, so last month, we discussed all the times and one shots to be published by Marvel for Axe in the month of August. Yeah. Most, if not all of those, got pushed to September. Yeah. So now, really quick, MJ, I'm going to run down this list. We have, in the month of September, Judgment Day number four, originally solicited for August 17th, now September 14th. Judgment Day number five is still coming out September 21st, so mm-hmm. that's not getting bumped ahead. So we're getting two issues of the main Judgment Day book in September, God willing. Then we have X Avengers number one, 499 debut at 40 pages. It's a one-shot, drops September 28th. We have Axe Death to the Mutants. 
originally supposed to drop August 24th, now September 7th. X-Force number 32, September 14th. Wolverine 25, September 7th. Immortal X-Men number 6 originally was supposed to drop August 10th, now September 7th. X-Men Red number 6, originally August 17th, now September 14th. Marauders number 6, originally August 10th. This is getting exhausting. Now September 7th. Fantastic Four number 7, originally August 10th, now September 21st. Are you seeing a pattern here, MJ? It's about a month. A month to five weeks for each. Avengers number 60, originally August 24th, now September 21st. And The Amazing Spider-Man number 10, originally August 24th, now September 28th. Oh my god. Why, I, why do this? <laughs> I think it's because like the issues before them got bumped back. So like they have to change the schedule forward to reflect the earlier ones being delayed. Wow. Well, it just takes your breath away. But if you happen to look in your various Marvel comics that have uh, house ads for AXE Judgment Day, it doesn't have dates written. It just says summer 2022. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> Even though at this point it's going to be kind of sort of mostly in the fall. <laughs> we keep track so you don't have to. I hope you wrote that down. So anyway, as MJ and I like to do with all these huge Marvel and DC events, we like to do the cost to make sure that you guys are keeping your budget in mind when you're chasing after all the tie-ins in the annual summer events. In the case of AXE, Judgment Day, whatever you're calling it, MJ, how much is this going to cost people in the month of September? Okay, and this is assuming everything comes out the dates that they have said that they're going to. Right. It's going to be $18.96. That's not including all the issues that were supposed to come out in August that are now coming out in September. For that, you're spending $59.86. I thought that seemed like a very small amount. Yes, that's right. And if you add that to the $30.93 price point from the month of July, all the Axe issues, tie-ins and all, total to $109.75 before tax. This shit hasn't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. We have the July AXE release dates also in this sheet listed. And I can tell by looking at it, this says AXE Judgment Day number one is supposed to be coming out July 6th. It does not come out this week. No. Like, that's that's another one that's been delayed. This is a mess. Yeah. It's bad. And when you have all these tie-ins, good luck reading it and keeping it all straight. I mean, this is why in the back of the X-Books, since Hickman had been starting on them, they had been listed in the back in a checklist date by date by date. Right. Now they don't got no dates listed. They can't do that no more. <laughs> so anyway, now that that's all out of the way, MJ, let's move on. Trades, hardcovers, OGNs from Marvel coming up. We've got nothing. Nothing of note to discuss this month. We've got something. What? I think the Epic Collections are notable. Oh, I was going to get to that. (laughs) Yes, Epic Collections. We didn't talk about any last month. Well, there weren't any that really jumped out at us. But there are this month. Yeah. All right. Epic Collections for new listeners. MJ and I are big fans. Of course, the Epic Collection is Marvel's ongoing trade paperback collection of virtually everything they've ever published. For some reason, they do it out of sequence. And they drop books seemingly at random. Some books fall out of print and they get really expensive and hard to find. That's why it's important you pick them up as they come out. That's why I very recently had to buy Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment. Yeah. Because the epic collection it's in is out of print and just as as expensive as that trade. Collecting epic collections is as close to feeling like a degenerate gambler as I've ever felt. (laughs) For real. For real. But but you don't like buy the really expensive out-of-print ones. I haven't yet, but out of desperation, I've considered it. I don't think you will. Some of the Avengers epics are really hard to get, and they're out of print. Anyway. Reflected in just this month's solicitations, they reprint them all the time. Yeah, but you never know what's coming out. True, but you know that they will come eventually. And with that, 
we have four epic collections we want to share with you, and it's a lot of information. So try to keep up, <laughs> folks at home. We have a new printing of a Thor epic collection, The Thor War. That is volume number 19, for those of you keeping score. Do I uh, have that over on the shelf there? Can you tell me? You don't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, your time will come shortly. Yep. Of course, this features the combined talents of Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Roy Thomas and artists Pat O'Leaf, Herb Trimpey, Jeff Isherwood, and more. This is a forty-four ninety-nine epic at 472 pages. This drops advanced solicited October 26th. This includes Thor, 437 through 450, and annuals 16 and 17. Nice and crisp, that. Hefty like that. tome. That's a hefty tome. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have another new printing. And this one will appeal to you, as the Thor one appealed to me. Yeah. Because you have a lot of the Hulk ones. I do. This and one I want is more. Yes. This one is Incredible Hulk Epic Collection, Fall of the Pantheon. This is volume twenty one in the Incredible Hulk Epic Collections. Real quick. That's gonna fill a gap in my Hulk epics. I'm very <laughs> excited. Very excited. This is written by Peter David with heavy hitters on pencils. John Estes, Jim Craig, Gary Frank, Derek Robertson, Liam Sharp, wow. Terry Dotson, Justiniano, and Chris Renaud. Damn. And this is gonna be forty four ninety nine. It drops October twenty sixth. It's going to be 496 pages, and it collects Tales to Astonish from 1994, number one, right. Incredible Hulk versus Venom, number one, yeah. and Incredible Hulk numbers 420 through 435. I'm excited. Also, we have Thor Epic Collection Blood and Thunder, an all-new Thor Epic Collection. This is volume number 21. We have a 4499 epic on our hands at 504 pages. Lots of stuff. And another thing about Epics that I love so much is that it comes with all the supplementary material culled from all sorts of places. Fanzines, wizard, house ads, all sorts of crazy stuff. And often, like we mentioned before, some of those graphic novels from the 80s that Marvel put out. Or even art from trading cards. (laughs) It's awesome. It really is. It's great. Anyway. The only thing that I miss that's not in Epic Collections but can sometimes be found in omnibuses is letters pages. Yeah. I miss seeing those. Imagine how much longer those books would be, though, if they included all those letters columns. But it's so fun to see, like, future comic creators writing in to say, I really enjoy your run on Incredible Hulk. It's fun. going, Excelsior! (laughs) Anyway, this collects... Thor issues 468 to 475 and annual number 18, Silver Surfer number 86 to 88, Warlock Chronicles 6 through 8, and Warlock and the Infinity Watch number 23 through 25. This is during the Infinity War, I'm presuming. Or just after? I don't know. Hmm. It's got Warlock and the Infinity Watch 23 through 25, so that might be a little bit after. And also, it looks like Thor gets an immense power-up from an Infinity Gem. Uh uh Uh-oh. And because of that, all bets are off. And I'm noticing a pattern here. One more epic collection. MJ, you want to take it? <laughs> Yet again, an Incredible Hulk one. Yeah. This one is Incredible Hulk epic collection. And now, The Wolverine. Yeah. Volume number seven in the Incredible Hulk epic collections. Written by Len Wein with pencils by Herb Trimpey and Sal Buscema. As 40- I live and breathe. The Wolverine. <laughs> Forty-four ninety-nine. 472 pages, October 19th. We have to use that quote to reference Sandman more in the Corinthian. Yeah. Do you think we're going to do Sandman recaps? For the show? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It depends Depends how the show is and yeah. if it doesn't break my heart. Yeah. My hopes are not high. It's a Netflix production. Yes. So, I mean, how how good can it be? Not very good at all. <laughs> I don't history know. history has proven. I don't know. I still have hope, but I'm trying to temper mm. it. Yeah. That's um, smart. But yeah, but we, we, we use that, that quote because the guy who said that Wolverine quote is playing the Corinthian. Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, anyway, getting back to this Hulk epic collection here, MJ talked about Sandman. This collects Incredible Hulk issues 179 through 200 and annual number five. I'm getting it. And the reason that it's, and now, dot, 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 the Wolverine, is because it includes Wolverine's debut in Incredible Hulk number 181. That's right. Yeah. All right, MJ, it is now time for the Casual Wednesday's solicits episode, Lightning Round. With lightning like Thor? No, not like that at all. Aww. But rather, a collection of independent publishers who will have books that we recommend coming in the month of September or advance solicited for a later date. All right. We begin with Ahoy Comics. Love Ahoy. We have Highball number one, written by Stuart Moore. Mm-hmm. With art by Fred Harper, Solicit's text goes, quote, Battlestar Galactica meets the Hitchhiker's Guide for a game of darts over shots. <laughs> Meet space pilot Highball, the best shot in the galaxy, except for one problem. He can only hit the target when he's dead drunk. In this outrageous first issue, he faces off against a fierce but alluring bird warrior, a disturbingly racist AI, a crypto-obsessed fellow pilot, the maddening bureaucracy of Space Corp, and, of course, his own shameful inadequacies, Highball, saving the galaxy one pint at a time, end quote. That's right, Cooper. Um, so if he's playing darts and he's also in space... Does that mean he's going to be playing Miles O'Brien at any point? Darts? That's a good question. Darts? Except darts spelled D-A-E-R-T-S. He would not be playing with Julian Bashir because as we know from episodes of Deep Space Nine, Julian Bashir is a stickler for the rules. Mm-hmm. I believe O'Brien is a little laissez-faire when it comes to such things. And would relish the challenge. That's right. Shout out to all those DS9 fans out there. Best Star Trek ever. Anyway, moving on. Highball number one drops September 7th. That's a four ninety nine debut. And also from Ahoy in September, we have an advanced solicit, Wrong Earth One-Shots trade paperback, which collects all the Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man one-shots for that big crossover that Ahoy just did that featured all these incredible creators, including Gail Simone, Mark Russell, Mark Wade, mm-hmm. Leonard Kirk, Michael Montanet, Fred Harper, with covers by Dan Parent, Gene Ha, Jerry Ordway, and Jamal Eigel. Hilariously, one of those Gene Ha covers, he used my face yes. for his photograph for the character. He did, and he didn't tell you until it was published. <laughs> Took some liberties there, Gene. It was fine. It was fine. It was just funny. It's like, oh, that is me. Yeah, he gave you some comps. He did. He did. As the model for that issue. That was pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, that trade is advanced solicited for October 12th at a $17.99 price point. Check that out. I'm sure I will. MJ, we've got Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. Why did we move this into the lightning round? Uh, no. Was that my mistake? I have no idea. It's fine. Let's carry on. It's late. Yeah. What do we got from Boom in September? A book that I am excited about, Briar, number one of four, written by one of my current comic book writer faves, Christopher Cantwell, mm-hmm. with art and cover by Herman Garcia. This is going to be four ninety nine. It drops September 28th, and I'm going to read a little bit about it for you. Go for it. Quote, what if Sleeping Beauty never got her happily ever after, and instead had to save herself? Set in a brutal fantasy world that time forgot this isn't the fairy tale you know, end quote. Yeah, it sounds different. I like a good fairy tale retelling, especially if it's got a more feminist bent, because God knows Sleeping Beauty needs a little bit more of a feminist bent. Also from Boom in September, we have another cool thing here. Stuff of Nightmares, number one of four. This is a new miniseries written by Fear Street and Goosebumps author R.L. Stein. Cooper is a big fan. <laughs> That's why he's screaming. With art by A.L. Kaplan and covers by Francesco Francavilla. Now, Arlstein has been writing some young readers' graphic novels. The Just Beyond books. Yes. Yeah. But this one is aimed at adults, which is yeah. great. <laughs> you know, I remember when R.L. Stein did an adult book. I think it was called Superstitions. 
Oh, yeah. And I was a voracious Fear Street and Goosebumps reader at that point. And I remember my librarian, she was like, R.L. Stein's got a new book, but I don't know if it's going to be okay for you to read. It's for adults. And I was like, let me read it. Don't be ridiculous. I, I, I want to read it. She was like, I need to ask your mom. I'm like, my mom won't care. And she didn't. Mm-hmm. So I took it home. I checked it out. And I was like, this is like typical R.L. Stein stuff. I think it was like 12 when uh-huh. it came out. But there's a sex scene in it, and he included the gaspings. Okay. Like, in quotations. So she, the lady was like, oh, uh, uh, and it was gross and weird. <laughs> I've never before or since read a book that had a sex scene in it where the sounds were articulated on the page. Yeah, it's a little weird. It was weird. Anyway, I don't know why I thought about that just now. But anyway, Stuff of Nightmares, number one of four. MJ, do you mind taking Solicit's text? I don't mind at all. Quote, Arlstein is back. But not for the faint of heart, with a chilling take on an iconic character perfect for fans of Fear Street and EC Comics horror titles. In the first of Stein's reanimated reimaginings, you're familiar with the classic tale of a mad scientist hell-bent on creating life. But what these two demented brothers have created is something else entirely. Horror lovers won't want to miss the legendary author's return to comics in his first creator-owned single-issue series, end quote. I'm really excited for this. And once again, just in time for Halloween. That's right. Get me in the mood, MJ. And also, I have seen some of the covers they've solicited for this book. One of them has, like, Fear Street trade dress. I'm so pumped. It looks so good. I'm so pumped. I'll get that one. (laughs) Also from Boom, we've got an advanced solicited trade. This solicit is weird. Faithless 3, trade paperback, volume 3. A little redundant solicits writer, but it's okay. (laughs) This, of course, is the third and I believe the final installment in the Faithless series, written by Brian Azzarello with art by Maria Lovett. We really enjoyed the first volume, and then we kind of... I didn't read any more beyond volume one. I got the naughty covers for volume two. Which you haven't opened yet, which defeats the purpose. I know what they look like. (laughs) I don't know what they look like. Can I open them? Maybe. It's all Tula Lute, right? The second volume, yeah. Okay, gotcha. The third one is all Chris Anka. I see. Well, MJ, since this is the last solicit that we have for the episode, apparently, do you mind taking solicit's text? Sure. Quote, Faith's descent isn't always pretty, but it is sexy as hell. After Faith's paintings take the art world by storm, she vanishes as quickly as she comes, leaving tongues wagging. Is her disappearance a wild publicity stunt, a cry for help from an uninitiated artist, or something altogether too sinister to fathom? With Louis Thorne behind her catastrophic rise to stardom, dot, 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 who's really to say, end quote. You know Faithless by now. It's really horny. Mm-hmm. I mean, really horny. And it's drawn real well. Oh, yeah. Maria Lovett, one of my personal favorite artists. Yeah. She's terrific. Well, anyway, MJ, do you have anything else to add to the solicits here? Nothing else jumped out at me. I'm sorry, guys. Well, I guess that's it. That's another solicits episode in the bag. It was kind of a mess, but we made it. But it was, wasn't too long, so at least we didn't bore you for too long of a time. <laughs> it's, it's still pretty long. <laughs> we gave you a couple of suggestions of the comics coming down the pike, in this case for September 2022, and now we want to know what you're excited to read. So tag us at Casuets Podcast on Twitter and let us know what you're pumped to check out, and be sure to hit up your local comic book shop and pre-order your books. Head over to Comic Shop Locator at ComicShopLocator.com if you need help locating the closest LCS to you. All right, MJ, I think it's time for us to answer a listener question. What do you say? I agree. Well, that's very nice of you to agree. (laughs) Every week we field a question from one of you, our listeners, hit us up. Info at DoomRocket.com, Cashwoods Podcast on Twitter. This week, Nathan Chio via info at DoomRocket.com asks, 
if you were put in charge of the big two, how would you change the way they do their comics business? Well, are there books you'd produce less often? Books you'd make more of? Would you release more books as trades only? Would you give certain tentpole titles to new creative teams? Well, thank you, Nathan. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what my answers are for this, but I, I do too. <laughs> they're they're not they're not like fun answers. Like oh, I'm trying I, to humble us before we start getting really snotty about this. Oh no, it's not that I'm going to be snotty. It's I'm that snotty. my answers aren't going to be like oh, I want to put so and so on Batmaners. It's that I want them to make lots of things returnable. Okay, we're jumping ahead. Before we get into it, before we get into the nitty gritty of the business, MJ. <laughs> no, I, I want think, to talk about it now. <laughs> I think it's important that we point out that MJ and I have been very critical of DC and Marvel on this podcast many times, basically every month when we do these solicits episodes, because their practices are kind of baffling and some of the problems that they run into can be avoided. It's easy for us to be armchair speculators, which we are, and it is incredibly easy. But also, if we were to actually answer a question like this seriously, we'd also have to add the proviso that we don't necessarily know every facet of comic book publishing. Obviously, we may say some things that might be beyond our understanding that may show our asses a little bit. We're going to try to avoid that. We're going to try to talk about the things that we see visibly that are problems that we might want to fix instead of, uh, you know, getting really inside baseball on this. But I'm going to get a little inside baseball and say that I sure do wish Marvel offered returnability okay, there you go. <laughs> on any of their stuff. Yeah. I'm going to come at this from a retailer perspective because I work in comics retail. That's right. And as much as we do bitch about DC, DC has been offering returnability on their first and second issues of pretty much all of their debut stuff for quite a while now here. And that is very much appreciated because yeah. sometimes it's really hard when you're launching off this new version of Batman or new version of Wonder Woman or whatever they're deciding to do this month. It's just really nice when we don't know if a book's going to have a readership that we can bump our orders a little bit and know that if it doesn't have that readership, we can return them and get money back for what we bought. Right. It's really nice. Marvel doesn't offer returnability on anything. Because they don't care. They don't have to. And it's terrible because with you know the aforementioned delays, they've been making us do our final orders for like the third issue of a new series when we haven't even received the second yet, sometimes even the first. Right. It's wild. Now, of course, COVID and the supply chain issues that have taken place because of it, nobody could have seen that coming. We're willing to give both publishers and every publisher a lot of leeway. But we're over two years into that now. We are we are over two years into it. And with the AXE event thing, there are ways to mitigate these problems. And I think one of the changes that I would make if I ran the big two is that I would tighten the line considerably. I would tighten it the fuck up. There is no reason to have so many books out on a given week. You don't need to overflow the shelves with your product just for the sake of maintaining market share. There's no reason for it because it's a tenuous, fickle thing and people will get sick of your stuff before long and then you're just doing it for nothing and you are losing money. And what's even worse about those aforementioned delays is that when you have your line over crammed with all of these books and some of them get delayed, you end up with these weeks where sometimes it's super, super tiny and sometimes it's this huge release week and that's hard on customers yeah. and it's really hard for us as retailers to be able to kind of like plan for that carry the stock yeah to, to be able to to have that much stock on a given week and also so little you know what else i'd get rid of what incentive variants gone see i wouldn't get rid of incentive variants but i would never ever do it's a predatory practice i do not like it just the one in 500s and stuff like that one in 250s those are ridiculous and stupid yeah and having like dynamite will have like 
30, and I'm not exaggerating no. here, like 30 covers for a comic. For a single issue. Yeah. And we're not talking like issue one here. We're talking like issue eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I wouldn't get rid of incentive variants in general. I would get rid of what are rather predatory, like 1 in 500, 1 in 250. But doing like a 1 in 10, a 1 in 25. Meet you in the middle maybe there. Maybe a 1 in 50. That's fine. Mm. We make a little, a little bit of a buck yeah. as a store. Okay. But having like 1 in 500, 1 in 1,000. What the fuck is that? It's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. You're just giving us a bunch of dead stock. But as far as massively huge incentive amounts for a variant cover, there are like maybe five stores in the United States that can afford to order one, if not any more, yeah. of a cover like that. And that's just really shitty for all the rest of us. Right. Another thing I would change, MJ, I would let a book build a readership. This is how it used to be. A book was a gamble. But you let it go, you let it accrue readership, and if it didn't over the course of, say, 20 issues, then you can kill it. You gave it its fair shot. You gave it over two years. Nobody's biting. I get it. But six issues is no way to tell, especially in this day and age when we're pre-ordering issues for books that haven't even come out yet. It's not fair to the creative team. It's not fair to the editors who are putting it together. You're putting a book out there to die because of your lousy business practices. You're not letting the readers glom onto a book because you're not giving it the room and the space to breathe. But honestly, nowadays, readers glom onto miniseries more than they do to an ongoing series. And that's why there are so many miniseries now. Right. But is this a chicken and egg kind of thing where were they fostered or engendered the situation and created this paradigm as we see it today? Could be. But that's what the market really is, is that readers really do latch onto miniseries now. Nathan raises another trend that I think is interesting. Books that are released as trades instead of single issues. Mm -hmm. Like Boom does this. Image does this in certain circumstances. Dark Horse. Dark Horse does this. Do you think that's a solid practice? Do you think that's something Marvel and DC should probably start doing? I don't know. Because graphic novels and collections of series are two completely different things, not just in terms of execution, but in terms of quality in a lot of of circumstances. And the publishers that you mentioned don't necessarily do a lot of superhero stuff. And the superhero audience is definitely trained to want a single issue every month or thereabouts. Absolutely. And not necessarily waiting six to eight months for a new graphic novel. Right. So I, I think it's, it's again... Probably it's, wouldn't it, work for DC and Marvel. It's, it's just a matter of, of the readership and what they're used to and what they want. Right. All right, now let's get superficial with our hypothetical power fantasy here, <laughs> us running the big two. What superficially would you do to DC, to Marvel, were you in power right now? I don't know if this counts as being superficial, but I would put Grant Morrison in some kind of editor-in-chief position wow. of DC. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, that, that that's really smart. I don't know if they would want to do that. I don't know if they would Grant be... Grant Morrison suited. was editor-in-chief of Heavy Metal, and that did not work out, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but that's different, you know? Yeah, I guess. It's 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 a magazine, and it's not a, a publishing line. You know who would probably take that job? Who? Mark Wade. I mean, Mark Wade would be amazing. Yeah. 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 I would bring back Vertigo. The original brand. No DC Vertigo bullshit. No black label. And I'm talking about the format. Like, you bring in writers and artists from different corners of the world, bring them in to work on properties and do their own unique spin on it, or brand new properties entirely, and make them sing. But no one would want to do that if they're supposed to be bringing in new properties, if they're not getting to keep their rights. And that's another thing that we would change if we were in charge of DC and Marvel, is that creator rights. Oh my goodness. 
Doors open, boys. I don't think Warner Brothers would let you do that. I'm sorry, Warner's Discovery? Excuse me. In this hypothetical, I am flexing a power fantasy. Are you a Warner Brother? I'm a multi-trillionaire, and I just bought Warner's Discovery, and I have dislodged DC Comics from that corporation altogether so they can be its own private entity from here on in, henceforth, forever and ever, so we can avoid these corporate-minded, boneheaded business decisions forever and ever. Amen. I asked if you were a Warner Brother, and you didn't even get that it was an Animaniacs reference. I'm sorry, I was power mad for that second. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing. If I were in charge, if if I were the president of the world or whatever, Marvel would no longer be owned by Disney. DC would no longer be owned by Warner Discovery or whatever is going on over there right now. Sometimes I think about the fact that Disney owns Marvel, and if I think about it for long enough, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Disney owns Star Wars. That's weird. And and it's a whole corporate hegemony there that dictates what they do and how they do it. It's pretty much an IP farm at this point. I mean, who could have guessed that 20 years ago? Who could have goddamn guessed? It's dark times, MJ. We definitely took a wrong turn to Albuquerque in terms of the timeline. Well, that's obvious. That's obvious. But in every respect. In, yeah. <laughs> I, it just depresses me, the state of Marvel and DC anymore. Well, I, the state of everything, but yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> In comics, this mostly. Anyway, Nathan, do we answer your question for you? We do have a tendency to ramble. But anyway, if you folks at home have a question for us here at Casual Wednesdays that you would like to hear answered on this podcast, send us a line, info at doomrocket.com, Casual Podcast on Twitter. But if you do that, we ask you to use that hashtag. Hashtag AskCasualWeds. That's right. Helps me keep track. Nobody's used it in a long time, though, so it's remarkably easy to keep track. <laughs> anyway. MJ, do you have anything else you'd like to add at the tail end of this episode before we get the hell out of here? I'm trying to think of other mad crazy things i would want to do to marvel and dc speaking of mad i would bring mad magazine back oh yes yeah yes i would i think i would have them hire jason aaron and force him to write thor Mm. for the rest of his life (laughs) mj you've gone crazy yes i don't really mean that no Mr. Aaron, I love you, and I, I only want what makes you happy, but I also, it would make me really happy if you wrote more Thor, and that's all. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I would probably make Ed McGinnis go back to draw Justice League or Superman. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked his Squadron Supreme. That was killer fucking comics. I would also figure out a way to bring Gene Colan back from the dead. Oh, my God. And bring him back in his prime, like mid-70s, and just have him draw Doctor Strange. MJ, the power's gone straight to your head. You are terrible <laughs> in your glory. That's it. That's all the time we have for this week's Casual Wednesdays, everybody. We did it. Another episode in the bag. All new episodes can be found on any good podcatcher. But if you need more of this creepy little podcast in your life, you can check out our episode archive via DoomRocket.com. That's where all the good old episodes live. (laughs) All recent episodes you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please consider leaving us a review over there. Apple Podcasts, that is. Or leave us a five-star rating over on Spotify. And while you're at it, look us up on Twitter at Podcast. I'm at Jared Jones underscore MJ. Where can they find you? At Molly Jane underscore K. So until the day MJ becomes president of DC and makes me the mailboy, I remain Jared. <laughs> That's MJ over there. And from all of us here at DoomRocket.com, have a great new comic book day. I can picture it now. Your mail, miss. <laughs>